Blog Talk Radio. Riding through this world all alone. Gotta take your soul. You're on your own. A crow flies. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I am your host, Brian Tarvin, and I hope everyone's had a great weekend, a great week last week, getting ready for another busy week. But again, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Just before we get started, to let you know, make sure you call in 646-716-5564. Let us know what's on your mind, what you'd like to talk about. Join us in the chat room. Follow us on Twitter at We in Sports. Ask your questions there while we're live on the show. But again, 646-716-5564. That's the call-in number tonight. And, it's, you know, it's June. We had our last show last Sunday. We missed Wednesday, but we talked about it a lot on this show. College football is getting closed. When you go into the the, the stores and look on the magazine racks and, and you see these college football magazines, Phil Steele's about to come out, you know it's close. You know it's just getting close. SEC media days will be happening shortly. Um, this is the time of, of year where if you're a fan in college football, you're going to hold your breath, and we're going to talk about that tonight. What do you what do you look for during this time of year? What, what frightens you the most? You know, preseason rankings are already out. And it's June. We still we're still a couple months away from from even starting this season, and and already people are giving their their preseason predictions. But as we speak right now, Game Two of the NBA Finals going on, San Antonio up in the first period, 22 to 17 right now over the Miami Heat. And Trey, you're in. Just press number one if you'd like to come in, bud. I'll get you on. Trey's got a lot going on right now. He's going to join us when he can. And grace us with his presence tonight. If he doesn't come, it'll be whoever calls and me flying solo. 24-17 San Antonio. Game one went to San Antonio. It seems like a month ago it happened. But Thursday night, San Antonio, without the air conditioner, you know, actually beat LeBron James. And I believe we have Sonia with us right now. Sonia, welcome to the show. How are you? What's up, Tarvin? Oh, just, I'm just wondering how I'm wondering how hot it is in San Antonio tonight. <laughs> you know what? You know how I am about the NBA, but I'm going to be honest. I got you know what I've been going through medically, and I have mm-hmm. to give LeBron just a little bit of support here because I got dehydrated. Didn't know I was dehydrated, and in the middle of the night, I had the worst leg cramps, and they kept me up all night to the point where I thought I was going to have to go to the ER. So I'm just being honest. You know, this is from a woman, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, I'm just saying, Sonia, if people he had laugh. leg cramps, People laugh about cramps. And not People move. laugh about that. People laugh about that, Sonia. And unless you've had them, um, you, you, you would know if you had one that you can't just play through it. I mean, you, yeah, you, you have can't. to come out of the game. You can't. It, it, it's to the point, like, I was in, now, Tarvin, he's playing basketball now, you know, in front of millions. I'm in my little bed. I am literally trying to just move an inch by inch because the pain is so intense. So I, I know if he had the, the cramps the cramp that I had, Duke could not do anything, seriously. Yeah, but it's funny how, how these, these tough guys out on the radio and the Internet and making fun of LeBron James. I remember playing baseball one time, Sonia, and I got a cramp in my leg. 
They had to mm-hmm. carry me off the field, and it didn't stop for hours. You know, it kept. And the next day, I couldn't even walk. So, if you keep playing on a cramp, if you try to play through it, you're going to tear something. All it, all it is, is your body telling you, "Hey, quit doing what you're doing. You have no fluids left in you." And it's really, I heard, it's like the muscles having seizures. Really, that's what it's like. It is. It feel, and, and that's. It's basically like spasms, but they're either so fast, but they feel just like you know, like a. Uh, how do you put, like a wave, you know, boom, 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 and they're right behind each other, and they are so intense and so deep. It, it's almost, it's like somebody is sticking pins in your bone. That's how bad it hurts. So, Sonia, what is what is LeBron James going to do? And I know it was hot, the, the air wasn't working, but he's had problems with this in the past. What can LeBron James do to prevent this? Someone even said it was hereditary. I've never heard that before, but your thoughts on it being hereditary, no matter what you do, you're going to get cramps, especially if you play at the level he does. Well, there are some, some like muscle diseases or muscle issues that are hereditary. So he might have some form of that, and it comes through in him in muscle cramps. But there's really nothing you can do other than drink a lot of water, try to stay hydrated, especially if you're an athlete of, of his caliber. You've got to stay conditioned. But if they happen, they happen. Like mine just hit in the middle of the night, and it was the, the well, I want to say the third time in my life I've, I've actually had them, but this was the worst. And those things are not a joke. They, they are not a joke. So I just hope he, you know, he does whatever he's got to do to stay on top. He looks pretty good, but he's going to be sore because it does make you sore. So hopefully he's worked that out. Yeah, I just, you know, when you hear people just, just bashing the best player in the NBA over that. LeBron James is tough. He's no wimp. I mean, he's he's big. He can do it all. He's the best player in the NBA. And to hear people sitting on their couch judging him, you know, making fun of him, like, oh, what a wuss, you know. Kobe would have I know. Played, I would Jordan tell you something, Tarvin. Those, those people that do that. Now, this is coming from me. I'm 45 years old right now. In high school, some college, I, pay, I played basketball. I played volleyball, ran track, let's see, soccer, badminton, um, flag football. I think I hit softball already. <laughs> but anyway, just, I was always an athlete. And I'm going to tell you something. At this age right now, I don't care if I worked out every day, there is no way that I could get out there and run up and down that court for five minutes, much less a full quarter. That's at me being at half condition. Some of these guys that sit on the couch <laughs> that the only exercise mm-hmm. they get is picking up, you know, picking up the remote or picking up their beer, it's easy for them to talk. They couldn't do half of what he's doing. So who cares what they think? You know, I, I get in the habit of myself sometimes, Sonia, watching football, and I'm like, oh, man, you suck playing or something, and he's making millions of dollars playing in the NFL, and I'm sitting on the couch, you know. Working <laughs> I know, right? Just a, just a regular <laughs> That's what they call us, uh, what is it, arm seat, uh, armchair quarterbacks. Yeah, I catch myself because, you know, those guys are out there. There's there's no player that sucks in the NFL. They're in the NFL for God's sake. It's like exactly. the NBA make it. You don't you don't suck. I mean it's but I I just think LeBron's so hated and, and I'll ask you, Sonya, about LeBron uh being a black female and mm-hmm. you know, I heard, I heard Colin Coward talking about it. The reason people hate LeBron James is is really that he said because the survey said really it was white people didn't like LeBron James they wouldn't forgive him where where people would you know the white people would forgive other people what do you what do you think about that is it is it a racial issue with LeBron James when it comes to the hate he receives nope 
I'm going to tell you what it is. It ain't got blank and, and insert curse word of your choice there. It ain't got to do with his race. The bottom line is if you are an athlete with talent, okay, and you take that talent to a city that has never seen any successful professional franchise and you leave that city, those people are going to hate you. It doesn't matter what you do. And then the fact that you leave that city and you win not only one but two and about to win your third championship, dude, it ain't got nothing to do with if he was Wait, not even if he was Laheim from Brooklyn, okay? <laughs> Laheim, Moises, whatever, from Brooklyn. That's all doing everything. They would still hate him. It has nothing to do with his race. The only person that you can make that case with as far as the forgiveness part is Mike Vick, because I'm sorry. I love animals. Got no problem with them, okay? I do love animals. But there is no freaking way that I'm going to sit here and hate on a man about some dogs when I got this other football player over here killed of a, <laughs> accused of killing humans, okay? But you want to spend all this time protesting something that this man already admitted to, went to jail, he did his punishment, came back, apologized, did all of this stuff. You still want to hate on him. I ain't got time for that. Those, are, those aren't fans to me. Those are just people who fill seats. Sonya, people love their dogs now. Come on. <laughs> but still, I'm sorry. Okay, if the house is on fi- on fire and you could choose to say Fluffy the dog or your son, which one are you gonna say? I'm gonna say both, same time. No, nah, dog, you only pick both. one. Quit trying to be Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, you are gonna, I'm gonna save, save your son. son. But, but, but you're right. There's people that still hey, hate Michael Vick. <laughs> There's still people to this day hate Michael Vick and and. Uh, you know, I think the way he did it, I think people were jealous of Michael Vick before, and then yep. you know, once he did something like that, Michael Vick was was an elite talent. I'll, I'll give him that. He was he was changed. He's one of the people that changed the quarterback position. You know, in the NFL, gave mm-hmm. these guys a chance, like Cam Newton, RG three, Russell Wilson, some of these other guys. But uh, yeah, it's you, you got to look at it like this, Tarvin, and and this is including LeBron, Michael Vick, all of the all of the big name athletes who had challenges as far as public perception or public, you know, their their publicity being only a certain percent, it really does not matter. It seriously does not matter because when it the bottom line is this man is paid to throw, catch a football. That is his job, to play football. He did not ask to be a role model, but he still stands up. The old Mike Vick and most athletes, and we've seen this, and we can sit here and and run down the list of athletes who were very arrogant, very, very condescending, and felt like the world owed them something. Look at where they are now. The smart ones, and unfortunately, you know, it took this happening with Michael Vick for him to realize and lose that arrogance, they learn through it. You know what I mean? Or they end up like Terrell Owens or Chad Johnson, you know, where it's like reality TV takes the place of being a real person or a real athlete. You know, that becomes their job. Their persona is bigger than their job. So that's when I say when, when, whenever it's an athlete or something like that and people are talking about a negative public perception, that's all BS. You would hate on that person because you, the main reason you hate on that person is because they're doing something that you wish you could. They have more money than you, and they're happy with it. 
And then if you add arrogance on top of that, that's what makes them most hated. Look at Johnny Menzel right now. He didn't do anything personally to anybody. But when that kid was at Texas A&M, the reason fans like us were upset, it's like, okay, dude, you're in college, you're representing your college and your conference, so it's not just you. Okay, now that he's pro, those same people include me, dude, do do what you want to. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You're representing you. Live your life. So there's always a difference, and you just have to realize that that's just a human thing is to be jealous and envious and have that come out as hate. Well, speaking of Johnny Manziel, Sonia, is it just me, or did did he get – he wasn't – nobody knew who he was really until he beat Alabama one time, and then after that this guy was just a superstar, rock star. I mean – have you ever seen a player just over one game get the credibility he's received? Speaking of Johnny Manziel, yeah, Cam Newton. People started playing, and it took. It was slow going at first, but Cam is Cam and 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 Johnny are both or were both lightning in a bottle. Those are guys who are only going to come through, you know, like once in a lifetime or or once every so and so number of years. They come in, they're perfect. They can put the team on their back and just, you know, take them to the end zone and take them to the national championship. And every it's a great Disney movie. That, however, is not reality. That only happens every once in a while. But it kind of goes back to the conversation you and I were having earlier today and, and what I think you're leading up to is uh, the perception or the fact that there are teams that actually need their rival in order to make a name for themselves. And those same players need those teams. Nobody would be caring if Johnny Menzel beat Mississippi State. Okay, think of, if he goes to Mississippi State and he, he throws for three touchdowns and does all this stuff, it was televised late at night or something, you know, or some noon game, nobody would care. They would just be talking about his stats and that would be it. But the more he did that, and it's the same with Cam, the more they started showing up in each and every game. And then when it gets to a game where it's a, a top-tier team like in Alabama, of course if they win, it's like, hold on, you know. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Manziel is one of those players that, to me, and, and I think he's a good football player, he's, he's dynamic in ways. But, I mean, if you saw a Texas A&M, anytime he played a, a good team, he, he lost. And it, he never won the SEC West. He never made it to a championship. He did win the Heisman Trophy. But this mm-hmm. guy's getting so much love. To go in the first round of an NFL oh, yeah. draft with, with all you did was pull a few passes out your butt, you know, a couple of times. You beat Alabama. But as, besides <laughs> Alabama, tell me, you know, that, that, that he lucked up winning the Tuscaloosa after they played LSU. Tell me a game, that a really significant game Johnny Manziel's won. That's the thing. <laughs> Unless you count Bama, um, I'm really trying to think back because there's been so many <laughs> games that have happened since then. Um, God. That's probably the most that's, – that's his career maker. You know, everybody's got their yep. career making. With Cam, it was the same thing. It was Bama. You know, for, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for them and for Auburn and for Texas A&M, you know, they showed up. They came in. They beat us fair and square. You know, there's there's no, oh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. No, they came in and they showed out, <laughs> you know, and they beat us. So what are we going to say? But they both took that and they made it into a career. Hopefully everything will work out where Johnny stays. You know, he's a young kid, but he seems to be focused and he seems to be excited. 
hopefully everything works out for him and he turns out to be, you know, make as much noise in the NFL as he did in, in uh, college. Well, Trey's with us. And, Trey, I, I think Cam Newton, to go off what Sonia said, I think Cam had the Heisman one before he even played Alabama. What do you think about Johnny Menzel in that one game, that one win that, that really defined his entire legacy? Well, I mean, I think part of, of what you're talking about is the fact that he won the Heisman. And, and obviously people bring about personal accolades with him. But, I mean, the guy never won anything for his team. I mean, Texas A&M, you said it before, they didn't even win the division of their conference, much less anything else. I mean, they almost got beaten their bowl game this past year by Duke. I mean, so Johnny Benzel, we'll see what he can do as a personal talent. But the guy has never proven. I mean, I don't even think he has a state championship in high school football. So, I mean, he is not a winner when it comes to championships. Now, whether that changes in Cleveland, I don't know, man. Uh, I doubt it, but... Uh, it'll be interesting for a couple of years to watch him, and, and I think that's all we'll see out of him. But he might be exciting for a couple of years. That, see, yeah, that's what I, I love, what... Trey. You said it, and that's what, exactly what I was saying. It's just it's him. He took it and made that his moment. I don't remember anybody else on that team. <laughs> I can't name another player right now off the top of my head. <laughs> Mike Evans, the guy that went up deep in the sky and pulled these jump balls he threw up down, but. You know, Johnny Manziel, I'm not hating you, brother. I mean, you're going, you're a millionaire now. You were before you even went to the NFL. So I'm not, I'm not hating you because, because you're successful. I want you to be successful, kid. I want you to go out there and do something. But I'm just trying to point out how the fans are out here, Trey, Sonia, how the fans just can push a player all the way up to the top. And, and people forget that that year. Alabama just played LSU. Saban was at home. Alabama Trey was a 16-point favorite. Johnny Manziel comes in, jumps on them right quick, 20 points in the first quarter, and just, you know, they, they pulled it, barely pulled it out at the end. But I've never seen a player defined by one game getting this much hype. I mean, Trey, it's, it's unbelievable. This is not the Johnny Manziel show tonight. By no means, but it kind of shows you how these fans <laughs> and media, they'll, they'll, they'll jump on one person and, and they won't ever let go, Trey. Well, Tarvin, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trey. I was say, don't forget, I mean, this guy uh, had two first-round left tackles. Uh, you know, his lines are pretty well protected. You know, he's got a couple of footballers on his offensive line at Cleveland. And then there's a third guy in, in a Texas A&M who's going to be drafted in the first round who's on that line. This past year as well. So, I mean, the thing is, is man, a lot of people say, well, they didn't have much talent. Uh, they had a lot of talent on the offense, Tarvin. They had, you know, defensively, I think obviously they didn't have a lot of talent. But, uh, you know, Manziel wasn't out there doing it by himself. There you go. Sonia? Well, I just wanted to say, when we were talking about um, <clears throat> fans' influence, that's also the other way. And when you got you got to understand, there's one fact about sports fans, especially diehard sports fans, loyal sports fans, that we all share in common. We have very, very long memories. There are sports fans now who are still – Tommy Tuberville has been to how many schools since Auburn? And there are still Auburn fans that hate him. Uh, Mike Shula, Nick Saban, there are still, you know, Bama fans that, that hate Mike Shula. There are still uh, LSU fans that are mad at Nick Saban. So even on the coaching level, it gets to that. Sports fans just have long memories, and I also think there's also an unrealistic expectation. That's why I love dealing with, with realistic and objective sports fans, 
But ones who have totally unrealistic expectations, they are usually the ones that are guilty of that. Yeah, that that is that is very true, and I'm I'm guilty as well. I have a, a I'm very sometimes unforgiving with certain players. It depends on if I like him or not. You know, Trey Cannon mm-hmm. could rob a liquor liquor store tonight, and I'd probably support him tomorrow if he just said he was sorry. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's about right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you either love him or you or you don't. But uh, you know, I saw a funny article, and it was talking about the the top 10 most overpaid coaches. And and I saw this number. I need opinions from both of you. And it just startled me that, that, what is his name, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, Trey, makes $4 million a season at Iowa. And, you know, on the list was Tennessee's coach, Butch Jones, Sarkeesian from Southern Cal, uh, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame. But but how did he end up making $4 million? And then Tommy Tuberville trade, making three and a quarter at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a nobody. How do these coaches make this kind of money? I mean, I'm going to work for Iowa. I think I could do a better job. <laughs> well, you know, Kirk Ferentz, he he, uh, he kind of cashed in. If you remember when Iowa went through, you know, a lot of big bowls back to back to back. They were having a 10-win season, which really hadn't been done in Iowa in, in decades. And so I think what happened is, is he cashed in at exactly the right time at Iowa and got them to pay him. I mean, he, you're, only, you're worth what people will pay you. Yeah, Sonia, Iowa, Big Ten, a, a team that's won eight games max the last four or five years. I mean, is this guy worth the $4 million or could Iowa do a little bit better for maybe a million? <laughs> Dude, this is what's going on. It started, it started in pro sports. The Miami Heat have perfected it, Okay. And it's seeping down into college sports because everybody knows, especially with the playoffs, college sports is big business, especially college football. Anytime, and, and anybody who thinks that college football is not a business, please, 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 I need you to go somewhere, get some help, because you should not be living or doing anything on your own. College football has always been a business. Anytime that you have a, a P&L sheet, guess what? You are a business. Okay, if you are tracking your profit and loss, you're a business. What teams are learning? In order for us to attract the best talent, we have to spend money. In professional sports, that means we got to go out and we got to spend money to get name players with talent to come here so we can get a shot at the championship. It's going into college. It's the same way. No players don't get, quote, unquote, paid per se, but there's benefits. There's facilities, you know, there's perks, there's travel, there's all of that stuff. So that's what the colleges are doing. And what Iowa wants to do, the reason that they have to pay this money, is because it's kind of like what Trey was saying earlier, they have to keep up with the current market. When you see Saban and all of these other coaches coming in making this money, okay, yeah, they can ask for a raise realistically because they're going to say, look, I can go somewhere and be an assistant coach and make double what you're paying me and be part of a winning team. So that's what it is. It's it's just money. You got to pay to play. Trey, Trey, did you ever think you'd see the day where a coach in the college ranks would make you know seven million a year? And and if you look at it, I mean that's that's not even enough. Nick Saban got a contract extension. He's going to be at Alabama until he retires. But you know people think he's that's too much to pay a coach. Looking at the revenue he's brought in for Alabama, the consistency mm-hmm. he's put in place, I think he's worth double, triple that, Trey. Alabama could pay him that 
if they wanted to and, and actually justify it. He's underpaid. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the interesting thing right now is the game's going to change, and I think you're going to see um, coaching salaries either either go way up or way down, depending on how it changes with all these lawsuits in college football. Because a lot of these public institutions are going to have a very big decision to make. Uh, and, it's, and part of the, the, the player's argument is that it is a business and they should get paid because of the way college football coaches are paid. They're paid more. If you look at what, I think 45 of the 50 states have college football coaches who are the, the largest public employee in the state. So, I mean, I think, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to have some changes, Tarvin, depending on all these lawsuits. And I don't know which way it's going to go. But I can tell you, I think uh, either schools are going to go all in. I think like the big four, big five conferences. And other schools are going to drop way off after that because they're going to have to go the other way. Yep. Hey, Sonia. Sonia, mm-hmm. looking at you know, looking at what Nick Saban, people say, well, nobody deserves that much money. And and I can <laughs> speak of what Saban does, what I can, what I've been told from people that follow him. I know what Malzahn does. These guys work 365 days a year. They work 18-hour days. There's no off-season in college football like there are the pros. Do you agree that the college coaches that are successful should make more money than, than pro coaches? Heck, yeah. I have no problem with it, mainly because it's just it's because of the reasons you just said. Before Nick Saban came, now Alabama has always been a profitable program. There's never been a problem with that. We've always been profitable. But, of course, we're always, we always make more money when we're winning. To have Nick Saban come in, and basically quadruple what Mike Shula brought to the table when he was there, okay? I mean, Nick Saban, in the time that he's been there, has has quadrupled the profit. So, of course, yeah. Now we can do more things. There's more things at the college. There's, and it's not just the sports programs that benefit, you know, the school benefits. So I have no problem paying somebody what they're worth and knowing what they have to put into it. Now, the one thing that I will say, I think there needs to be some sort of cap. You know, there needs to be some sort of cap where you don't want to get an outrageous. So I'm kind of like Trey. I, th- I think we just have to wait and see because this is a, one of the sports that, that this is the first time it's happened. And to remember, three major schools recently have made huge changes to their program with not selling jerseys and players' numbers. So, I'm just saying, we're going to see A&M, A&M's one of them. A&M's yep, one of A&M them. Yeah, A&M and Northwestern, yeah. So, I mean, you're seeing, I mean, that's, that's big-time schools right now. That's three big-time schools. And then, so, I think you're going to see more changes when this comes, man. With these bad bands, too, with the EA Sports already settling. I'm just saying, man, the college football is either going to get more like the pros or it's going to take a huge step back towards where it used to be. Hey, Sonia, you better thank your Alabama fans for being very rude to Rich Rodriguez's wife, or, or you'd have him as a coach right now instead of Nick Saban. <laughs> did we lose? Did we lose Sonia? Yeah, Trey, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, Trey. Uh, you know, you know, I hate Rich Rodriguez because all he was going to do is accept the job at Alabama until the fans made fun of his wife. I mean, where would Nick Saban be right now, Trey? Had Rich Rodriguez taken that Alabama job? Well, he might be with the Dolphins, though. So. You think so? Yeah, it's po- I, mean, I think right. anything is possible. He would be at Auburn right now, Trey. <laughs> right. <laughs> you there, Sonia? Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. That was an emergency call from my son. Sorry about that. 
Well, I was asking you that, you know, uh, you, you better go thank the Alabama fans, the nation, for making fun of Rich Rodriguez's wife, uh, or, or, or you may have him as a coach right now instead of Nick Saban. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, I'm good where he is. He good right up there. Stay on up there, Charlie. We straight. <laughs> But we did have a. If, if you don't, I don't know what topic or what your agenda is tonight. But uh, when you get back to the fans, I definitely want to speak on that part, part of our conversation okay. earlier. And when you get to the pro part, as far as Alabama. Well, I'm about to. I'm gonna get to the pro part right now. And Trey, you're on the phone. Uh, I have you and Sonya. You lived in Alabama. You you still do, I believe. And you know, everybody's always wanted a pro team. You know, we've we've or talked about having a pro team in the state of Alabama. And I know what Sonya is going to say. She's going to come on in a minute and discuss it. Trey, I want your opinion. Uh, first, why why does the state of Alabama not have one? And the second question of that, would they be successful in the state of Alabama had, if they had one? Well, I mean, they don't have one because there's no market big enough. I mean, Birmingham is your biggest market in the state. And it's, you know, we're talking about in cities without a team, it's probably not even in the top 20 of big market. So, I mean, it's not there because the revenue just simply isn't there. Uh, And then it's not there, too, because I don't think it would be successful at all. Why not? I think think fans are just too tied to college. You know, it's the same problem that I think a lot of Atlanta teams have. They're very fair-weather fans when it comes to pro teams in Atlanta. If they're good, other than maybe the Braves. They'll follow them. If they're not, they're they're quick to jump off the bandwagon and, and root for Georgia Tech and Georgia. Yeah, Sonia, I have a problem with what Trey said about, you know, the, it wouldn't work out because, you know, the, about them being small. Just say Alabama fans and Auburn fans united, I think it would be very successful. <laughs> well, this is the deal because, you, you know, I've, I, uh, my past history, I've done fact-checking and researching for various various different businesses and journalists and things like that. And one of the projects that I worked on years ago is a project, and it was a feasibility study for the NFL looking at markets, and one of the states was, okay, let's look at Alabama, and our job was to, you know, call in and do the survey, do the, get the different surveys done, but also compile the data and do a final synopsis and presentation. And I was telling Tarvin, Trey, you just hit on it right there, both, both reasons. Number one, the number one reason that Alabama could not sustain a college or, excuse me, a professional team is because the fans are too tied to college. They will never unite, ever. It's just, it's not going to happen. As far as the economics part, because what you had to do, what we had to do is we had to break it down in the response and say, okay, this is the overall reason, all right, this is as far as, you know, sales, profit, anything that would be a uh, moneymaker, such as merchandising, and, you know, different categories. And in the category as far as merchandising, I think the final synopsis was, or the final result was, there would not be enough neutral fans in the state. They can find enough neutral fans in the state who would buy (laughs) – a professional team's jersey or merchandise, plus if they had to choose, they would always choose either Alabama or Auburn. That's where their money goes. So there truly is no feasible 
reason right now that the state of Alabama could ever support a pro team. There's just too much college college ingrained in it. And the fans, there's too much hate between the fans. Oh, and then the, when we were talking about the stadium, as far as uh, if there were a stadium, one of the guys who was the, the head researcher, because they're allowed to put in their personal opinions, and in his personal opinion as far as the stadium, he said that he was a Philadelphia Eagles fan. They are the most, you know, he said we are, our fans are known as the most, you know, meanest, the, the meanest fans ever. They throw stuff at people. They're very, very rude to the point that they had to build a jail inside the stadium to house people. If they were to build a stadium in Alabama, they would have to build two jails because, number one, Alabama and Auburn fans would get into it, and then they would not want to be in the same cell. So you would have to build two, two jails. Well, I would hate to be the jailer in that one, Trey. Is, is Trey there? I guess, I yeah, guess Trey's on. Hey, I was there. I, I, sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch you come to me there. But uh, oh, sorry, right. I'll come back. I'll come back to you in just a second, Trey. Uh, looking at the Alabama Auburn, I, I don't think it'll ever pass for all the reasons you guys stated. Uh, those are perfectly clear. But you know, at the end of the day, I think it would take away from college football, Sonia, if you if you did that. I mean, the state of Alabama is fine right now with their Auburn, their Alabama, their UAB, their Troy. You know. Teams like that, right. they're fine. They, they, don't, they don't need any help right now. The same reason is because when you have states like Alabama who traditionally have, you know, been contributors to college football, that's all kids grow up knowing. You know, you've got your parents who teach you about, you know, you choose either Alabama or Auburn. You grow up with that tradition, so it's kind of hard to push that to the side when it comes to a pro team. I mean, when we did the pro team um, survey, we were asking people about the professional teams, they either followed a professional team because they were in the southeast or close, so it was usually the Atlanta Falcons or the Miami Dolphins. You know, they were bandwagon fans of those professional teams, or because a player for Alabama or Auburn went to another team. They would be a fan of that team. But because of the lack of interest, they, they, the thing about the, the people in Alabama, they love professional football, okay? They're fans of professional football. They just love college more. And if they had their choice, they're always going to pick college. And it's just that's not enough to, to you know, to farm a, an NFL team in a city like that or in a, a state like that. Yeah, that's a good point. But I'm I'm fine right now with with traveling down to the Marta to, to watch the Falcons, heading up the interstate to watch the Panthers if I wanted to. Let's just keep it out of the state of Alabama. Let's just let's just keep our college football. And, and all of that, but yeah, we was talking about Saban. We've been we've been talking about his contracts, and again, just to close on that, Sonia, um, Nick Saban, his him and his uh, agent are geniuses right now. The way they played it all and the way it's worked out. Do you think there's any chance at all Nick Saban leaves Alabama at any point, or do you think he just no. retires? No, and the main reason is because it, I've said this before. If people would read his contract. When Nick Saban signed, everybody was calling Alabama stupid because they didn't get a buyout clause. They didn't have all this, you know, special stuff in there to keep Nick from jumping. But what Alabama did is there is a clause in there that if Nick Saban ever leaves, ever leaves Alabama to go to another school to take another coaching position, he cannot recruit. He cannot recruit. He cannot speak to any recruit that he's talked to on behalf of Alabama for a full year. And he cannot recruit in the. He agrees to not recruit in the state of Alabama for a full year. 
for someone who loves recruiting as much as Nick Saban, that is a death. That is why yep. Nick Saban will never leave Alabama. I've said this before. I've said it again. Nick is not going anywhere, people. Leave the man alone. If you read the contract, I've talked about I posted it in my sports groups. I've told you guys this. The man is not going anywhere because he lives for recruiting. For him not to be able to recruit for a year, he cannot <laughs> do it. You're right about that. The man loves it. He's great at it. I mean, why, not, why would you not love something you've dominated for the past six years in college football? And, Trey, real quick, um, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, he, he got a raise and extension and everything, but how long is Auburn going to be able to get Malzahn for cheap if he if he continues his success on the field and recruiting? Well, I mean, that'll, that's we're kind of hard to say right now. We don't know what's going to happen with Auburn, but you know, at some point, that, you know, Auburn Alabama. Like that's, that's, why, that's why. That's why. That's why. That's why I said if he continues his success in recruiting and on the field. Just, just pretend everything stays the same, and he keeps improving. Well, I think, I think, like, like I was saying, like Auburn has to keep up with Alabama. So at some point, if he does continue with it, um, it's going to have to be to the level of Saban. Um, but it's going to have to, be, you know, you're you're going to see a push for you know Auburn fans and Auburn academic folks to want to sort of one up Alabama. Well, they're swimming and diving, man. <laughs> We're golf. We won the golf championship. Yeah, he's, uh, I think, <laughs> I think he's Trey, what, he, what he's saying is, is, is Gus Malzahn is, you know, I think if he comes in this year and he, he does a great job and he, he recruits, you know, number to our top five class, you got to start thinking when's the time we start pulling the trigger to make this guy and, and realize he's the reason. And all the Auburn fans out there can say what they want. Gus Malzahn is the reason for Auburn's success right now. He was the reason for the success in 2010. So I know we, you know, some people, they, they, they don't give him the credit he deserves. But, but he's the reason I think he'll be, Sonia, I think in the next couple of years, if he continues success, he'll be probably at the $6 million range. What do you think? I definitely agree. Gus is, is money in the bank for you guys, and that's the best investment you made. And the thing about Gus that beats everybody else, and this is not a knock on the other coaches that have been there, but Gus wants to be at Auburn. So when you yep. put those two together, you're going to have a coach that he wants to be there. He's not just looking at it as a job or, you know, a paycheck. So when you put that, you know, with all the other success that he's had so far, I mean, Gus is your saving. That's a, that's a good point. I, I totally agree. And while we're still on football, Colin Kaepernick, Trey, Got a got a big bonus, you know. They brought in Blaine Gabbard from Jacksonville, making more money than him. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, even though it wasn't a long-term deal or anything, what do you think about San Francisco paying Colin Kaepernick? Well, I think it's risky. I mean, the guy, I mean, yeah, I've heard the pros and cons. You know, he's three plays away from three back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls. At the same point, Tarvin, I mean, he ends up with the lowest completion percentage of any quarterback in the NFL, third lowest. Uh, you know, and there's an argument that he played Seattle and the Rams twice and Arizona twice. But, you know, this guy doesn't have the numbers to put him up there in that league class. So either San Francisco is betting that he'll get there, um, and then maybe this is the age of you have to pay the quarterback if, if he's just settled there. You know I mean? Because it, it seems like every quarterback now is becoming a free agent. Every team is so scared to let him go that they overpay him. Well, Sonia, I, I don't know. I know you know about – 
Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you know, I got a red flag from the guy when I saw him in a Dolphin hat. What would you have said last year if A.J. McCarron was getting interviewed and he had a Southern Cal hat on or a Notre Dame hat? What would you feel about the quarterback for Alabama? Anyway, dude, you must have forgot who you play for. <laughs> that's number one. You must have forgot who you play for. We need to double-check and make sure that's not a double. But I totally agree with Trey. Uh, Colin, I hate trying to say his last name. Colin has not been consistent. He really hasn't proved himself. It's, he's kind of like RG3 to me. I mean, to me, until I see you consistently do something, or at least if you suck, I see some improvement. But when you're just up and down and in spurts of goodness and then you can't get over this hump, I'm not really trying to give you more money. You know what I mean? I'll give you a raise, like a cost of living raise. <laughs> but I'm not trying to, you know, you pay you Brady Manning breeze money. No, dog, you yeah, got to show me something. I totally agree. And, and, Trey, when I look at this, like just comparing to Russell Wilson, when I, when I watch Russell Wilson play, I see – an unselfish leader. When I see Kaepernick play, I just don't trust him, not just with his play. I just don't trust him as a person. And if a person doesn't have a trustworthy uh, trait, they're not going to be trusted and be able to be a leader in a, a locker room. So if you're San Francisco, how do you feel about them doing this? How do you think the players feel about Kaepernick? Well, I think the players generally support more money for other players. I mean, generally that's kind of the way they, they, they work. I mean, I, I think he's not – um, he's probably not the most, you know, the largest clubhouse leader, but he's not unpopular in, in the locker room either. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, this is going to be one of those things that we're going to know more about this deal almost immediately. I mean, we saw with Flacco this past year, uh, we don't know how, how how that deal really worked out when it comes down to the next year. So it seems like he really sort of hamstrung the Ravens roster this past year. Now, Kaepernick's deal doesn't do that as much. In fact, he took less money because he wanted Matthew Crabtree signed. So, in that realm, it's going to do very well with the rest of the team. That's a good point. And, and I want to talk about my favorite player. And, and there's some interesting uh, things going on with Cam Newton in Carolina. And I'm, I'm excited to get you two uh, able to tell me your thoughts on this. And, Trey, I guess I'll start with you on this. Do you think Cam Newton is going to be the quarterback for Carolina two years from now? Well, I mean, given what everybody else is doing, I think Carolina is going to offer him a lot of money. Uh, now, whether he wants to stay or leave, I think it's going to be up to him. But I think Carolina is going to put the money on the table. I mean, it seems like every quarterback who becomes a free agent is going to get the max deal now. Um, now, the problem with Carolina and the problem with Cam Newton is they have a lot of other needs they're going to need to pay out. So, uh, this would be one of those things, Tarvin. They pay him a lot of money. Um, the, the team isn't that great. Well, I, mean, I, I think I think Carolina, by, by their actions this year in the off season, really getting rid of about everybody, are they sending a message that that they don't care really about Cam Newton and and they're not going to try to offer him a lot of money? Cam Newton could be in Atlanta or, or somewhere else besides Carolina. I I don't know. I can look at it two ways. And this is this is the whole thing about not knowing, you know, what's what's being said behind the scenes and only going on media whispers. And I can tell you as a member of that community on the fringe, half of the stuff that you see is what the journalist thinks. Okay? So just be on I'm just gonna be honest about that. It could be two things. It could be that that Cam and the Carolinas administration sat down and they said, Okay, look, 
we want you to be our marquee quarterback, but we're going to need you to work with us. So this, you know, they could have sat down and come with a plan, and Cam could have said, okay, look, I need this, I need O-line, I need this, I need this. You know, if you want us to build a good team, this is what we need, and this could be a part of their grand plan to start bringing in what they need because Cam plans to stay there long term. Okay, so that's one, one scenario. The other one could be where they're like, okay, we're just going to clean house and draft whoever we need to get him in here to keep him happy, just, you know, so we can make enough money to keep him here because he sells tickets. Well, you know, he gets butts in the seats. So you just never know, and you won't know until the season starts and people are on the field. See, I'm, I'm thinking that Cam doesn't want to be in Carolina. and I, I just can – just from what I feel, what I can body language and everything, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. It's just, to me, I don't think they're willing to make a long-term commitment to Cam or to building around him. I think Cam wants to be somewhere, trade where there's more marketability. I mean, I could see him, Sonny Clark said it, that I agreed with him, New York, get rid of Elon Manning, bring in Cam Newton in New York. Man, that would be that would be a good deal, wouldn't it? Well, I don't think Cam can take New York, to be quite honest with you. Uh, he, he kind of doesn't like the negative press very much. He, he gets real, um, you know, emotional on the sidelines when people criticize him. I think the New York media would eat him alive. I, I just don't think he's ready for that kind of media spotlight. Well, he survived the year in Auburn under scrutiny, so he could survive New York, could not he, son? <laughs> They're nowhere near the same, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Death threats. uh everything, but I, I could see Cam playing at a, a place that, that really wants to win. I, I question Carolina, what they did in the off season, the moves they made. Um, I, I don't know how much time he's supposed to miss Trey. Is it going to be a few weeks, or is it? are we looking at half the season? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard a couple of different things from Cam Newton, how long he's going to be missing. I've heard, you know, I've heard it's just going to be a few of the preseason games. I've heard he's, just, you know, he might actually miss a game. Uh, so you will see on Cam Newton uh, whether it, whether it affects his contract negotiations will be uh, um, really determined how, how when he does come back, no matter when it is, Tarvin, how well he plays. If he comes out um, and he you know, hooks up with his you know brand new rookie receiver and they look good, then I think he's going to get that max deal offer. If he comes back and he's shaky, sort of like uh, what we saw from RG three this past year, then Carolina may be willing to let him walk and see what they can get. Yeah, Jimmy Abrams in the chat room um, asked a question. He said he's trying to stay neutral, but how can you trust Cam? And, then Trey, I'll let you answer that question. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Can you trust Cam in what way? I mean, is he in the top half of the NFL in quarterbacks? Yeah, he, yeah, he is. Uh, and if you look at sort of, the franticness that is quarterback searches in the NFL, and you look at guys like Kaepernick and Flacco getting these huge deals, it's pretty clear that teams are terrified to start over at the quarterback position if they have anybody who's got talent. And you, now you're seeing all these quarterbacks basically just staying put uh, who are very talented at least until they get older uh, and they move on. I mean, very rare do you see a guy coming up in the time of his career now uh, and sort of shopping himself around because teams are willing to pay for it. Uh, so I'm not so sure that Carolina uh, is going to let him go, even if they don't think he's like the top ten quarterback. Because, I mean, 
I, I don't think that um, that San Francisco really thinks that Kaepernick is a top ten quarterback. I think they think that he could get them to the postseason. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not sold that Car- that Carolina may think he's top ten, but I am sold on them saying, hey, he could get us there. He's he's good enough, and we're going to give this guy all the money in the world because we can't start back and maybe draft a Mark Sanchez. I mean, it, that risk is too big. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I think Cam's a top ten quarterback. That's not even what we're talking about, the trust factor. But I trust him because all he does is win. And and when all that stuff went on at Auburn with that, he kept his mouth shut. He didn't come out and say a word. He just played, and he played better. When the adversity hit, Cam Newton was better. He won in, in high school. He won a, a national championship in junior college. He won a national championship in the SEC. He won a Heisman. He carried a two-win team to the playoffs, divisional round, and lost to San Francisco. So everywhere he goes, he seems to win. That's why I trust him the most. I don't know him personally. I, I don't. I wouldn't trust him with, with my life or anything. But on the field, I trust him. And I think the players, after the first couple of years, started trusting him more and more. Um, I think he's going to – I don't know. I mean, I, I need to see an, another year out of him just to see where I think he'll be. But I don't know if his heart's in Carolina. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. But I could tell him and Steve Smith couldn't get along too much. But, Trey, you weren't here Sunday night. When I when I talked about this, and I really value your opinion on this, so here goes. I don't know if you heard about the the Big Five conferences, Big Twelve, ACC, SEC, all of those. They're looking to possibly break away from the NCAA and create their own division, which would be Division Four. And I just want your thoughts on this. Well, I don't know if it's going to happen, but there's something. I'm not, like I said before, man, college football is going to change. And I think that the big conferences when it comes to football are thinking ahead in that regard. But I think what the big challenges lie for that kind of thing, Tarvin, is no matter what you do to get yourself away from, from the NCAA and the football and that kind of stuff, you're still bound by all the other sports in Title IX. And I think that's where the big problem is for some of these, you know, sort of, let's just say, gin- ginormous type of, you know, landscaping changes, you know, this 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 whole you know, uh, breaking away from the big conferences and, and moving on to this, um, you know, whatever they're calling it. Uh, what do you say they're calling it? They call it the uh, – The four Division com- Four. Division Four, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it could happen, uh, but it's – and it, it may be great for things like football, uh, but it's not – I don't know if they'll ever break fully away for things like baseball, basketball, swimming, I mean, hockey. You know, there's all these other sports that you need – Sort of the, the 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 plethora of small schools to keep going because you know like in hockey North Dakota is good you know in baseball we saw you know Louisiana um, Lafayette Lafayette who is who is now a win away from the World Series and knocking out Ole Miss an SEC team so in the other sports I think they're still so needed uh, that I just wonder how that proposal would work in the grand scheme of the NCA or the grand scheme of all the sports because you know it's like softball and gymnastics and these kind of things, you can't just have, you know, 40 schools uh, and it be real competitive. They need the other schools. And so, you know, I'm interested to see, Tarvin, because uh, there, there are going to be changes. And I think the NCAA uh, could be a huge part of that and maybe rebranding themselves or even changing their name. Um, but I just think that going away from every school like that and every sport, I just think it's too challenging. 
Yeah, well, what about these, like the SEC network and, and, and things like that? How would it affect that, if at all? Well, I mean, the SEC network, I think, is still going to be good to go. Um, but when you say how it affects it, that money that's going to come in, um, and the SEC, by the way, um, wants to sort of give more money in the ACC and some of the other big conferences. They're all on board with sort of what we've coined play, you know, paying the players. Um, that's, not a, that's not a paying the players like it is in the NFL. They're talking about is giving them more money to pay for their school, like all their expenses that you have in school. So basically, um, the SEC is already on board with that. Uh, so I think that's the real key to why the SEC is sort of threatening this and going, you know, going forward with other big conferences is because they're already sort of seeing the writing on the wall when it comes to, you know, all these lawsuits that are going on um, with basically, um, you know, football players, basketball players, these big players uh, receiving some sort of compensation that isn't really commiserate with where they are in school. I mean, it costs more of living in some states than it does the others, and it costs more to live in some universities other than others. And I think that has to be uh, changed if the NCAA is going to survive this at all. And I think that's what the SEC is really getting at. Uh, and even the SEC network is going to affect that. Well, Trey, I need you to get on the horn with your, your contacts at DirecTV and tell them they've got about three weeks to decide whether they're going to carry the SEC network or, or I'm going to leave. So can you do that? <laughs> yeah, I'll work on that for you, buddy. Are you with DirecTV now? Yeah, I am, and the SEC Network isn't isn't going to make me change because I'm a I'm a I have to get my Sunday NFL ticket, and that's my main source of uh, of pride with the uh, with DirecTV. But I think the, I think the okay. Let me ask you this: If Florida State was in the SEC, if Florida State had the balls and can't, or excuse me, if if Florida State was in the SEC, Trey and DirecTV didn't offer the SEC Network, would you change? No, because I mean, Florida State's going to be on TV enough. I mean, you got to think. Um, if you're a Vanderbilt, if you're South Carolina, if you're a you know a team who isn't on TV a whole lot, then sure. I mean, the SEC network's going to matter more. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they're going to get games that you wouldn't see normally. Uh, but, but Alabama, I mean, other when they play anybody who's halfway decent, they're going to be on TV. They're going to be on ESPN. They're going to be on CBS. So for nope. me. I don't think it. I don't think it changes things. <laughs> well, like like for instance, Auburn, Arkansas, Sonia is on the SEC network week one. Will any other channel besides the SEC network be airing that game if it's not on the SEC? I mean, since it's on the SEC network, how does that work? It all no, depends because be. we have all of the sports programs. We're, we've got Comcast, and we can watch the same game on the Big Ten network, but it might be showing on ESPN three or something. You know what I mean? So it really just depends on whatever deals they make. But usually, especially if it's a big game, then they'll they'll have it on Big Ten Network and then okay. on one of the lower uh, ESPN channels. Okay. Come on, but, you're not you know, saying that Arkansas and Auburn is a big-time game, buddy. <laughs> if Auburn plays UT Chattanooga, I want to be able to see it. You know, I don't care who it is. I want to be able to see Auburn State. I haven't well, missed They're not going to be on TV with UC Chattanooga, buddy. Even the SEC Network is not going to pick up that. Yes, yes, it, yes it is. <laughs> every every game will be on the SEC Network. You won't have pay-per-view anymore. But I haven't missed an Auburn game since I was seven years old. That's how long it's been since I haven't watched a live Auburn game, either in person 
or on TV. So I'm I'm gonna be watching it. So Auburn, Arkansas is a big hey, game to me, man. But I gotta change. I gotta correct you though. Not every game in the SEC is gonna be on TV. Uh, the SEC Network's airing three a week. That's it. Three games. No, a week. no, I'm, I'm no, I'm talking about. But but here's what happens. Here's what you don't understand. One of those games will be one of the uh, high school teams that the SEC plays. It'll be it'll be aired there. It, I promise you, they, they've already talked about it. So pay-per-view is gone. You do not have to pay anymore. Like when Auburn plays the Citadel or whoever they play, they'll be on the SEC network. And they play replays of all the games throughout the week. So, But, but you know what? what? What deters me from the SEC network, guys, and I'm going to be honest with you right now, Sonia, Tim Tebow, Paul Feinbaum, Jesse Palmer, these guys, I, I may not get the SEC Network just because I don't want to look at that alien all the time. <laughs> well, I, lo- I love the fact that, you know, my boy is going to be on there, G-Mac, and he's, a, he's great if you've seen him uh, when he was at Alabama and he was on, and on camera. He's a, I think he's going to be a great host. But I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, oh, God, please don't let this turn into a Feinbaum TV special. <laughs> Thank God, yeah. Hey, guys, guess who's in? I think we have Big E on the line. Is this Big E? No, this is Marty. How are you, Brian? Oh, I'm sorry, Marty. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Doing Hi, great. Marty. Hey, Sonia, I tell you what, I tell you, you bring a lot of good stuff to the show, man. I, I'm, you really do. It's, it's, it's great to hear from you and your opinion on everything. Oh, me? Yes. Oh, you thank do, you. Do a great oh, job. thank you so much, Marty. I really appreciate that. Hey, uh, if I could comment really on a couple, if I could comment on a couple of things, I would like to. Go ahead. Uh, talking about Satan's salary, um, <clears throat> I don't really think he's getting paid enough for what he actually done and what he's actually brought to the University of Alabama. Now, yeah. And a lot of people don't realize exactly what all has went on with him since he's been there. Academics is up, unbelievable. I mean, he cares about academics whether people believe he does or not. He puts things in place for student athletes for them to to achieve what they come there to do is to study and to be something. Uh, And 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 it's it's starting to prove true in in things that he's put in place. Also, enrollment in the University of Alabama is up unbelievable, you know, over a period of time. And it's not just uh, in-state students. It's a lot of -of out-of-state students coming to the University of Alabama. So that that not only helps the state of University of Alabama, but that helps our reputation across the nation. You know, as these students graduate from University of Alabama and move on to to Arizona, to Southern Cal, to uh, you know New Mexico or wherever they're coming in from, that only helps the University of Alabama and the state of Alabama. You know, so you know he's for what he's brought to this to this school is far more far more. Than you know, seven million a year. I mean, that, that's that's a bargain in my opinion. You are so right, Marty. You are so so right. And you know, and you uh, commented about the pro sports coming in, into the state of Alabama. I've often thought about that many times. And and Sonia, I, I kind of read some of those same uh, uh, reports that you did about okay. that. But, but one thing that they did say that the University of Alabama was prime for, the, the, if it's the one I read, is they are prime for an NBA basketball team. Oh, um, that's true. That's true. They, they, they can support that in the city mm-hmm. of Birmingham, and it would have nothing to do of the bearings of college football period, which is king in Alabama, 
which basketball is not king in Alabama. <laughs> Baseball is not king in Alabama. You know, soccer's not king in Alabama. You know, but they could support an NBA basketball franchise, I believe, in Birmingham. They could build a dome that would support that and use it for a lot of other things besides that team. I, I want to get your opinion on that. Now, are you talking to me specifically, Marty? Yes, yes okay. you are all, all of y'all guys. Okay. The thing about the thing about basketball, and you are you are very right. Any any other sports other than football is a viable option, but you're still going to run into the same thing, which is getting other getting Alabamians <laughs> to actually pull away from Alabama and Auburn to actually come together and root for one team. Now Birmingham did have, I think it was the Birmingham Barons. A while ago, and I know there was a, a soccer team because one of my friends worked for it. But now there there are talks. I don't know. This is just all scuttlebutt right now. But there are talks about bringing a soccer franchise to Alabama, and that right there raised a lot of eyebrows. But according to the study they did, there is, I guess because of the youth soccer program, you know, down here in the south and in the southeast, there's a big interest in soccer. So that might be one, but – other than NBA, and, and most of the reasons that you're going to see the NBA, the NHL, these other sports organizations shy away from states like Alabama is because of that. They don't want to take a gamble unless they've got a sure bet on a return for their money. An NBA team, I think, possibly could, but, again, you just got to get through that Alabama-Auburn thing. Well, I, I agree well, with that. I mean, I don't... Well, Marty, Marty, looking at NBA and, and Trey, I'm telling you, I look, I look at the NBA as I don't think enough people in Alabama would support basketball just because it's not football. I don't think we – I wonder if we polled the fans, Trey, in Alabama, how many do you think would actually go to an NBA basketball game? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with the NBA is, is the price of tickets, the kind of fans that, that the NBA actually has to go to games. I mean – the Atlanta Hawks have a, have a problem drawing in crowds a lot too, and Atlanta's a huge city. You know, so Birmingham would have a huge, huge problem with drawing an NBA franchise, not only for an owner who'd want to bring them to Birmingham, but keeping enough people in the seats and selling merchandise in Birmingham would be would be a problem. Well, you know, I think that the uh, the emphasis on college football is true what you're saying. But what I see happening on down the road for college football, even in the state of Alabama, as passionate as we are about college football, is there's so much coverage now of college football. I mean, every channel of news or sports channel you turn on, there's a college game. You can practically watch almost every single game throughout the season now on TV. You know, and, and at the University of Alabama, it's hard to get tickets to go to the game. You know, and why do I want to start with, why do I want to go pay outrageous prices for a ticket to go sit there and watch a game that, that really doesn't mean a whole lot for that particular game and miss every game on television that day, you know, that I could sit there in the comfort of my living room and watch all these other games too, plus the game that I'm interested in. I think it, the SEC Network, all this exposure of TV is going to start hurting now the attendance in the stands. It may not this year, but on down the road, I really feel like it's going to hurt it. Well, I'll tell you the – go ahead. Rob, I was asking you to comment. Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Well, one thing as far as <clears> – when you look at Alabama and when you look at when, when we did our study, there's three things that have happened. 
and you've mentioned all three. One is the the increased enrollment, you know, especially in out of state, that's doubled. Okay, so you've got more people coming in, more people that are going to school here, finding jobs, you know, or finding jobs there and staying in the state of Alabama. That's one. You've got um, increased population in the state overall, so that's number two. And you've got an increase in, in certain industries coming to the state of Alabama. With those industries, it brings the people that work for those companies, and they're bringing in their culture and, you know, their diverse and their likes and dislikes. At this time, I think if you did another survey, the numbers would be totally different because the, the, the dynamic and the demographic of Alabama has changed so much. We're speaking from 10 years ago. You know what I mean? There's been a census, a census since then. So if you look at the census and look at the numbers and actually do that survey again, you never know. You might see there might be enough neutral people in Alabama right now or who aren't diehard fans who kind of grew up with it like all of us are. They might be swayed, you know, to, to pull away and look for a team. The, the demographic that's going to be hard for any NBA or any professional organization, organization to reach are the diehard Alabama-Auburn fans who grew up in Alabama, grew up with that love. You know, it's easier to deal with the ones who just kind of stepped into it than the ones who were born into it. So I think, I really, I think it could happen, you know, with the changes. I would love to see Alabama, I would love to see my state have some sort of representation in the professional sports arena. I really would. It would be nice. Yeah, I just think the corporate sponsors and, and all of that make up the, everything about pro sports. But I want to get back what Marty said about about the fans not wanting to go to the games. Maybe it's too mm. expensive. Trey, Trey, I'll I'll start with you on this. How do you think that's going to affect ticket prices? I, I think before long, Marty's on the right track. I think ticket prices are going to drop to where to encourage people to come to games because I'm with Marty. If I can sit here and watch any game I want to on high definition TV, why am I going to go waste fifteen hours in a day to go to a ball game and miss everything on TV? Well, I mean, that's the same argument that I think the NFL is concerned about with a Sunday ticket. Now, so far, we haven't seen a dramatic decrease in NFL ticket prices, uh, but that's the concern. I mean, there's a large group of people who are very concerned about that um, in college football right now. If you look at uh, there's been a couple of statistics uh, and surveys that have been done recently about college attendance, and even in the SEC, college attendance has been down in football. Uh, progressively each, each season. Uh, and some of it has been what Marty's saying, is ticket prices are sort of through the roof. So there's an actual fear right then, right now about this, for sure. And Marty, yeah, Marty you go to an Alabama game. I'll, I'll ask you one more question. You go to an Alabama game, and as, as good as they are right now and as the man the tickets are, I mean, how hard is it to get a ticket for a good price? What do you average pay for a ticket when you go to an Alabama game? Well, if you don't want to sit in the nosebleed section up there where they can't even get the students to sit up there, you know, um, <laughs> if you're going to sit somewhere in a decent seat, I mean, you're going to pay at yep. least, you know, it depends on the game, too. You know, if it's, if it's LSU, if it's, you know, if it's Auburn, if it's somebody that's worth watching, you know, you're going to pay up there close to 200 to 200 something dollars for a decent ticket, you know. 
If, if it's a nobody, you're still paying 125 to 150 dollars for a ticket, and it's not only that; it's all the other expense that comes along with going to the game. You know, it's just it it, it is costly for especially if you want to take your son or your daughter or whoever with you or your wife. I mean, you just think about that money that you're spending to go watch uh, Alabama play San Diego State or or somebody like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And you also, too, well, I love, Marty, you're so on the right track. The other thing people need to think about <clears throat> or look at is if attendance keeps dropping, they're going to make that revenue up somewhere else. So something else is going to go up, whether it's your cable prices, <laughs> merchandise, or whatever, but they're going to try to find a way to recoup that money. People just need to understand fans actually have more power than they realize if they all band together. Well, guys, I appreciate you I appreciate y'all letting me call in and comment. You know, great show, and hopefully I can call in more often. Well, we, we love you, Marty, man. Take care, and thanks for joining us. And, and you know, that kind of gets me to thinking about another topic I wanted to talk about before we get out of here tonight. And, Sonia, I'll start with you. Alcohol sales in college football. You know, Auburn said no. They're not ready for that just yet. Some schools are. Give me what you think, Sonia, about selling beer inside of a stadium for college athletics. Um, <laughs> as a parent and a, as a person that can no longer drink beer, so it really doesn't make me any difference, <laughs> so I'll just look at it from another view, I can sit here and say, don't do it. it, it you just don't don't want to put yourself in that situation, liability, all of that stuff, and then most of the majority, especially with your student section, they're not old enough to drink anyway. There's enough tailgating that goes on in the parking lot and enough drinking in college that you don't need to sell beer at the stadium. Trust me. <laughs> that, ho- that, yeah, that doesn't sure. need to be a revenue generator. <laughs> Just stick to sodas. Don't worry about alcohol. If you can't go without a beer, you know, but you're watching the game or you can't step outside during halftime or something and chug a, a quick one, something's wrong. Well, well, here, here's my opinion, Trey, is I look at it as the, the universities out there, they want more money. It's like everybody's got their hand out. Now we can make more money by selling beer. I think what pisses colleges off, everybody brings alcohol into the games regardless. Guess what? They're not making any money off of it, and there's risk involved in it as well. There's liability. You have to check them at the gate to make sure they're not bringing a flask in tray. I, I, just, I just wasn't approve it. What do you think? I, I say no. I don't like alcohol at college stadiums being sold. Well, I mean, it's a money maker, and, you know, um, I think what you're going to see more of is not selling it in the fourth quarter, uh, which most people do anyway now, just because of, you know, people are driving uh, after the fact. But, I mean, I think I don't have a problem with alcohol being sold. Uh, I think that, obviously, if you're going to do it, um, then you may want to have better security in place because it seems like some of the fans get, um, let's just say, more violent than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Trey, I've, I've seen you violent at football games before. <laughs> well, that's because you were sitting next to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, well Sonia, I look at it and it's it's just all about the money right here. They could care less about the the safety, really, or or anything like that. They want a piece of the pie. They want maybe it's a way to start bringing in that money because of of maybe attendance could drop with all this TV stuff. Sonia, have you ever thought about that? Well, and that's the thing. But it's it's kind of like okay, 
you turn around, you start selling beer, <clears throat> all right? You make, I'm just throwing an even number out there. Okay, you make a million dollars profit from selling beer the first year. The second year, you make two million profits. So in two years, you've made three million dollars. Fourth year, you turn around and you get sued because this kid who was underage, his friend who was of age, went and bought him all of these beers that you were legally serving, gave them to him, and now his family is going to sue you, the kid, the 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 um, the you know Anheuser Busch or whoever, whoever was responsible for getting that beer in front of that child. Then you turn around and you lose the three million in profit you made plus more. Why go through all of that? Just forget it. Just don't even, you know, yeah, you can ask for ID and all of that, but we all know that's BS. To me, it's just not worth a headache. You don't need money that bad. You're making money, okay? Stick with that. Be happy. Yeah, but, you know, you know what Marty's talking about money, like the, the cost of going to a game is ridiculous. I'm glad my tickets are free on the 50-yard line, or that would be about $300 right there. But, Trey, you have parking. You have concessions. You have things like that. If you and your wife and your two kids went to a Florida State game, how much money would you be paying if it was a, like Miami? Say Miami came oh, into man. town. You took the family. You're talking, you're how much? Over a grand, man. Over a grand. Yep. Yep. And, hey, we and, went you know, to the Iron Bowl and got the tickets free. And we still had to pay for gas to drive from Atlanta to Tuscaloosa yep. and back. Uh, thankfully, we hooked up with Jimmy Abrams, so we didn't have to pay for, you know, some other things. But have we had to pay for all of that? It, I mean, seriously, that's a mortgage payment. <laughs> you know, it okay, is. let's it's, just take the mortgage and, and, you know, go watch a game. When I can sit in my behind right here in front of my television, use my bathroom, <laughs> drink my alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic beverage, be comfortable, and not have to deal with, you know, mind-numbing cold or anything like that. Yeah, I, I went to Arizona for the national championship game, Sonia. I paid $1,100 for the ticket, just for the, the ticket into the game. I paid $700 for a flight. I paid three nights hotel room. That was about 200 a night. And then the rental car. I mean, Trey, was I insane to do that? I mean, I look back now, and it's just a couple years ago, but I don't think I would do that again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought about it for the Florida State Auburn game this year because the ticket prices weren't bad, actually. You could find a decent t- ticket the week of. Um, but, you know, the flight and everything, and I was looking at flying into Vegas and driving over the buddy, but it just, it's just not worth it. I mean, like Sonia said, like, you know, I got kids. I got a mortgage. I can't – it's hard to justify paying a mortgage for a football game. Uh, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, hiking Machu Picchu or – Visiting the you know Galapagos, it's, yeah, it's a little. <laughs> it's a football game that I can watch on TV. Really, it's about the same thing. There you go. I tell you, Sonia. Sonia, if I'd have gone to the Auburn uh, Florida State game this year, I and and paid thousands of dollars and watched them choke in the last thirteen seconds, well, I may not come back. <laughs> Dude, I would have been down there with a bucket saying, "Every one of y'all owe me a dollar." <laughs> yeah, everybody pay me. I'd go up to. So you write me a check right now, then I'm not leaving. But that's the price, that's the risk you take. You know, I went out, we won a miracle to beat Oregon like that. The way it ended, it was a great feeling to be there. But at the end of the day, my bank account went down significantly. Yep. And and now Trey and Sonia, the Final Four. Just say 
say Auburn makes it this year and say they, their first game's in, in Pasadena, the next week they're playing in, in Miami. How in the world, Trey, can you go being a fan and afford that? Think about it. Two flights, two game tickets, all the expenses that go with it. Are they trying to price us college fans out of football? <laughs> well, it's, it seems like it's getting that way. I mean, like, you know, it, it's one thing when you have a student ticket and, you know, you could you could maybe travel with some buddies and split gas and all nine of you to stay in a hotel room. Uh, it's a lot different now when you're like, man, you know, I'm not staying in the days in. Nothing against the days in, but, you know. <laughs> oh, you're trying to, no. Trey, it's really bad when you're like, well, we can fit in the car. <laughs> I can move the steering wheel. <laughs> it is bad, bad now. I think um, one of my friends, this is when I really knew that it was getting bad. They, uh, He's a big alumni of, of his, his alma mater, and they have two kids. And they actually, they would go when they were younger. You know, of course it was just them, so they could just drive up and go. And it got to the point, you know, he was making enough money where they – could take the kids and they could all go at least to one game per season. She said they had to actually look at their budget and it was like, okay, you just take our son because all four of us can't afford to go. And he got to the point, he's like, okay, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, this will be a great memory for him, but we'll have a great memory sitting here watching it. Why, you know, being there, it's just, it's, you really have to, to pick and choose now. Nobody wants to turn around and realize that money that they can pay a bill with they're spending to watch their favorite team end up losing. Yeah, I mean, it's a risk. And I thought about that when I was paying that money to go to the Auburn-Oregon game. I said, if we lose this game, I'm going <laughs> to feel like crap. All the way all the way back to Georgia. I mean, that's a risk you take. Florida State game, you know, I, I just wasn't sold on it. It, it wasn't because I'm not a diehard fan. You know I am. But luckily I didn't go. My sister passed away that weekend. And just something told me not to buy the ticket. But the older I get, the more I'm seeing what this money can do. You can invest that money, Trey. You could go out. You could go out and buy uh, the biggest big screen 3 D TV you could find, and have that for a long time, and watch the game on it, and still have money in your pocket. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot you can do with it. I mean, that's the, that's the problem. That's the economics of it, but. You know, these championship games, this, I mean, it's a big money, but they're not really looking for you and I to go to the game anyway. I mean, if we go to the game and spend the money, great. They're looking for, you know, that top 1% folks to go in and rent those boxes yeah. and drop thousands of dollars. That's what they really want to happen. Well, I can well, tell guys, you now, when Bryant Denny changed um, and expanded the stadium, I'm glad they did. But they took away my brother and I. Like we, that was our sneak-in spot. Like we went to every game when we were small because it was easy to sneak in. <laughs> but now, no. Yeah, it's 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 amazing of how it's changing. Let's look ten years from now and see. It'll be a totally different game, I believe. But last thing I want to talk about, real quick, two minutes before we get out of here. I I, I hate someone. I hate liars. That's one thing. I hate someone that doesn't tell the truth, guys. Pete Carroll comes out. Pete Carroll, the guy that I never trusted anyway, said, Trey, he would have never left Southern Cal to take the Seattle job had he had known the NCAA was going to come down and punish his team. Are you buying that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying it with your money, but that's about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sonia, what do you think? I mean, really, he knew that was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. Wait a minute. Hold on. You sure that wasn't on the onion? 
That wasn't a spell. No, it's called E-S-E-S-P-N. S-E-S-P-N. Are you serious he said that? Yes. Okay, you guys know. I know this is I know this is a family show, so I'm going to blank. But, Pete Carroll, get the blank out of here with that blank blank. You are full of crap. You, dude, he did just like Chip Kelly. He did just like all these other coaches. When the COI comes calling, all of a sudden, ooh, look at the time. <laughs> time for me to go. <laughs> he is full yeah, I'm gonna of crap. Stay here. I'm going to stay here with a two-year bowl ban, lose 30 scholarships, uh, over three years and vacate my national championship in Heisman and all 12 wins in 2005. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. He's going to turn down an NFL job just to stay there because he's such a, a team. You know, he, he believes in the team. He's the one that got Reggie Bush in trouble. He knew what was going on. And anybody that says head coaches don't know what's going on like that, they're stupid. Pete Carroll is full of crap. There's no freaking way. Dude, you know what time your players come in. Okay, even when they are staying off campus, there is no way that you did not know this was going on. There's too much. I know how the the, the little gossip chain goes inside <clears throat> inside a college facility. You would know. There's no way this would take him by surprise. So he is lying. Pete's best bet would be to shut up, don't say a word, focus on what's going on with Russell, and hope his divorce does not affect him on the field. That's what I need you to do. You just stick on over there. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's caused him to leave as well as Chip Kelly being in the Pac-12. I mean, Chip Kelly was going to run him out regardless. But, Trey, I, I don't have respect for people that lie. And to come out now, why would he even say that right now? Why would he bring this attention on himself? Uh, it makes, I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, he, you would think he has better things to do being the world champion of football. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Well, all right, guys. Sonia, thanks for joining me. Trey, Marty out there, thanks for calling in. Jimmy Abrams, Cuervo, some others in the chat room and in the studio. Remember, if, when you call in the show, if you want in, press number one. If you do not call, if you do not press one, you will not be able to get in. But, guys, it's been a great show. We'll be on Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Sonia, anything before we go? Um, I just want to say thank you for having me on, Trey. It was nice talking to you again, and thank you for finally posting pics of the kids. And to Marty for coming on and giving me that great compliment. Marty, thank you so much. Roll, tie, roll to my fellow Bama brother. You you really, really made me feel good, so thank you for that. Yeah, well, you deserve it, Sonia. You do a great job, and thanks for joining us. No problem at all. I'll see you guys Wednesday, right? Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Until then, God bless. All right, bye-bye.